Alright, welcome to the Red Triangle Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Kozlowski. Talking baseball tonight. Uh, it's been a week since we got together. Joining me, Shane Stein. How you doing, Shane? Doing good, Matt. Good to be here. And uh, Kyle Schmerer. How you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing well. We're talking baseball, so I'm happy. It's always a good time when we are talking baseball. And since we're talking baseball, well, first, find us on Twitter at Red Triangle 23 Find the Red Triangle Sports Podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. Subscribe, rate, review, leave us a five-star rating. We'd really appreciate it. Um, trying to get some more of those uh, on our on our record here. So, my favorite part of the podcast, let's start out with it, uh, trivia time. Alright, so, our hitter trivia for tonight. Among players with double-digit doubles... All of them are ranked in the top 100 on the player rater, except for one. The The players that have double-digit doubles that are in the top 100, I'll give them to you guys to eliminate some names. Manny Machado, Jose Altuve, Dexter Fowler, David Ortiz, Michael Conforto, Daniel Murphy, Starling Marte, Victor Martinez, Gregory Polanco, Chris Carter, and Xander Bogarts. So there's one other player. He's actually tied for second in, or tied for third in doubles in the league, but he finds himself 238th on the player rater. His stat line reads, I guess I'll give you guys a stat line, 281 batting average, 391 OBP, 396 slug. He's got 10 runs scored, 16 singles, 11 doubles, 20 RBI, 16 walks, 17 strikeouts, no steals, no attempts. Man. So a guy that doesn't knock the ball out of the yard, only hits doubles. Wow. I'll give you guys each two guesses. How about that? Two shots at it. Try and at least say something to me. Not have this. <laughs> I'm in deep thought. This is a normally silence. You can't be hitting us with this kind of tough question right out of the gate. I mean, yeah, that's that's tough. Um, we'll just think about some of the things I said. Like Shane said, doesn't hit the ball out of the yard. The big one for me is only ten runs. So obviously he's not on a good team. And I think I've already said too much, but we'll see. I mean, the first name that popped up, I don't think it's right, is, is Randall Grichuk, but that's, that can't be right. No, I don't know if he has 10 hits, let alone <laughs> uh, 10 doubles. Um, uh, Matt Holiday? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's my guess. I don't know. Um, John Jay? No, it's not John Jay or Matt Holiday. Sounds like you guys are at your wit's end. Um, it's Nick Markakis. Makes sense. So, high batting average, high OBP guy, high contact, um, no power, terrible team, 10 runs scored. Doesn't run anymore. Um, just thought it was interesting that he's, he's having actually a nice season, but, you know, runs, stolen bases, home runs... Those are three things that really drive your player rater value up, and he is lacking in all three categories. I feel bad now because I am <clears> the <throat> Marcakis owner. Um, I actually looked at his stats this morning, so <laughs> I, I feel kind of embarrassed. Um, but yeah, um, I kind of just added him to my team just because I needed some batting average. Um, I felt like I just needed that help, and he seemed like a steady producer in, in batting average and on base, where I'm pretty weak, so... Obviously fills out those categories for him, but yeah, not doing much other than that. The the power is kind of disappointing for him. What, what, actually, let's touch on that real quick. What happened to him? I mean, he used to be a decent supply of power, not a, nothing outstanding, but I mean, you expect around fifteen from the guy, and then all of a sudden, past couple of years, past few years, just nothing there. Yeah, I think it's hard to say. I mean, there were some injuries involved there. I think maybe two years ago, maybe at the end of his Baltimore tenure. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure what happened to him. I don't know how much has really changed with him. Um, I think he's just gotten older. I think that's kind of what happened here. I don't know. Say so just aging. Um, yeah. I don't know that it was a huge 
just like off the shelf drop off. Um, so maybe I'm wrong there, but I just I didn't notice it. But then again, I've never owned Nick Marcakis. So well, I was looking at his numbers this morning. Actually, I mean, he was double digits every year of his career. Um, from 2006 to to nine, like his lowest total was like 16. And then he was more of a 12, 13, 15 guy. And now he seems like he's a 3, 2, 3 guy. Um, I mean, if you have a guy that hits close to 300 with 13 home runs. I mean, that's a pretty solid output. But you have a guy that hits close to 300 with two or three home runs. And, and they don't run. And they don't run. There's yeah. not much there. So, yeah. I mean, he goes from being a very viable player in just about all formats to being just a guy that you can own in, in on-base percentage leagues, batting batting average leagues, where those things are important, um, deeper leagues. So, I don't know. It's kind of frustrating. I, I picked him up with the hopes that maybe last year was a fluke, and he is a double-digit guy still, but it doesn't seem like that's the case. I think he's just a streaming option at this point, you know, especially if you're in a daily daily format where you got a, a guy with a day off or someone that's droppable and isn't playing and you need someone that he has a decent a decent matchup against a weaker pitcher. I think then you maybe throw him in there, hope he gets two knocks and maybe scores a run, drives in a run. Really, that's, that's what he is at this point. All right, pitcher trivia. We're looking at the top strikeout pitchers in baseball. <clears throat> There's two pitchers in the top five in strikeouts. All five of those pitchers have 47 or more strikeouts, but two of them are outside the top 100 on the player rater. Who are they? Jose Fernandez? Jose Fernandez is one of them. He's sitting at 122 on the player rater. <laughs> Who is the other? Shane knew that because he was... What? Shane knew that because he's on his team. He also hasn't been very good. <laughs> I'm going to go... David Price? Ding dong. Shane. Finally got someone that got a trivia question right. Justice. David Price, 49 strikeouts, second in the league, 147th on the player raider. The other three pitchers are Clayton Kershaw, uh, third on the player raider, 54 strikeouts to three walks. Unbelievable. Um, Steven Strasburg who I told you guys I was high on, my preseason NL Cy Young pick. He's 5-0, and 47 strikeouts, fifth on the player rater. And Drew Smiley's the fifth one. 1-3 uh, record, 47 strikeouts as well for him, 27th on the player rater. He's got a .78 whip. That's that's awesome. Uh, so no one's really hitting Drew Smiley right now. No, he's just been outstanding, and he just feels like he's striking out the world. Um you look up and he, I feel like he strikes out like two guys every inning. It's just ridiculous. Um, David Price's stat line is just fascinating to me. Um, let's just give you guys a quick rundown of that. Six games started, three quality starts. He's 4-0, um, so he does have four wins, does not have a loss yet. 49 Ks, nine walks, but he's got a 6.14 ERA and a 128 whip. So um, he's 4-0, which with those numbers is crazy. I think that price will be fine, um, but ballpark change I think may have hurt him a little bit. Yeah, I mean, might be finding out that it's not as easy as you think to, to pitch in Fenway. Um, like you, I'm not that concerned for price. Uh, I'm the highest price guy probably in the in the podcast here. Um, he he seems to figure it out, and those numbers will come back down to to where he's normally at. Hey, maybe they're a little higher than usual, but I I think price will be fine. Yeah, I mean, the guy's got swing and miss stuff, so I'm um, not concerned either. I, I definitely, I mean, I think we would all put a lot of money down that he's not ending the season that high on his ERA. So um, maybe just some bad luck these first couple starts. Yeah, the other guy um, who's got 43 strikeouts, Chris Archer, 451st on the player rater. Saw him have, I think, two nice starts, though, now. In his last two outings, so I think Archer's starting to turn things around. Uh, maybe Price will be the next one to turn things around. All right. Um, next thing we want to talk about here: some buy low candidates. Um, these are guys that, in my opinion, were highly thought of on draft day. 
have not been performing as such so far. So I'm interested how in, um, I'm interested to find out how interested you guys would be in buying these players um, at what would probably be a low value right now. So first guy I want to talk about is Lorenzo Kane of the Kansas City Royals. Uh, I'm not really that interested. I sold the guy last year in a league. Um, speed was kind of a big portion of his game, and as I like to stick to my motto, once you hit 30 years old, I don't depend on you for steals. So Kane is 30, so he's kind of out for me. Um, don't really see if if he's not a stolen base option at a high level. Kind of uh, maybe a... Slightly better version of Nick Marcakis at this point. Um, I'm not really in on him. Um, I'm still waiting to see if Shane's theory holds true. Um, you know, it's definitely, he has, he has some good examples where it is proven that 30 is not a good age to, to continue running. But he's a guy I'd still buy low on. Um, he's in a great lineup. Um, you know, I, I think that. At this point, he's a guy I'd like to roster. I kind of am with you on that, Kyle. I'm, I'm, I'm still interested in what Kane does. Um, I think there's still something there. Yeah, maybe the stolen base is going to be down. And there is actually, I think, if you dig on Google deep enough, I think there is a Fangraphs article detailing how people drop off if, at the age of 30 in stolen bases. So if you need some light reading... Um, any night try and find that article and there is some definite truth to it but I think Kane is due to turn it around I think the Royals offense in general is due to start turning around here um, so I still think Kane has some value I'd be interested in if the price was right I mean it's got to be the right kind of league for me I mean obviously you're in a deep league yeah Lorenzo Kane's a, a viable option I think he's going to be better than he has been so far don't get me wrong there He's going to improve a little bit just being in that lineup uh, surrounded by a bunch of good hitters. Obviously, his numbers are going to go upwards, but uh, I don't think we're going to see a year like we had out of him last year where he, he hit 16 bombs and, and steals close to 30 bags. So uh, I don't think that part of his career is, is going to last. So I'm thinking more of a 10 home run, 12 home run, somewhere in there. Um, maybe Maybe 15 to 20 stolen bags. Yeah, I mean, a 15-15 guy that's going to probably score close to 100 runs, that, that's a, definitely a viable option in the outfield. So, um, like I said, he's, he's someone I would, I would buy low on if the price is right. All right, another aging outfielder, Adam Jones, is next on our list here. Where do you guys stand on Adam Jones? I'm in. I'm in on Jones. Uh, obviously, we both are because we just bought him in one of our leagues. Um, so we're hoping that he turns it around. Uh, he's just been too consistent for me to, to give up on. Uh, I think he was maybe a little banged up and just just needs to get healthy. And he's the guy that's proven that, that he can really get on a tear when he gets hot. And I, I think he's he's going to eventually figure it out. Um, well, I would be careful. He's 30 years old, so he might not steal those three bags that he got last year. So, <laughs> um but no, I, I mean, he's a guy, like you said, he's been super consistent. Um, you know, I think we've talked in the past amongst ourselves how Jay Bruce is one of those guys that is always super consistent. You know, you know what you're getting. Um, and Adam Jones is right up there when I think of consistency. Um, so he's someone that I would see turned around, uh, hits in a good park. I'm in. Yeah, I still like Adam Jones, too. Hitting third in that offense, um, I think that he is due to turn it around as long as he's healthy. And I think a lot of these by-low candidates, just to preface it early on in the in the arguments here, I wonder the health of a lot of these guys. I think that that sometimes leads to um, whether or not they are a good by-low candidate or not. Sometimes we as fantasy owners are the last people to find out about injuries, and sometimes that's unfortunate. But I know at least in, um, you know, when you think of fantasy football and even baseball, I guess, as well, these seasons that don't seem to match in guys' track record, usually there are something comes out after the fact as far as health. So I'm wondering 
on the health of those first two guys because they have been fairly consistent in the past. Next guy, Jason Hayward, is battling some health issues. Sore wrist hasn't really been worth the offensive production so far that the Cubs paid for. Unfortunately for the Cubs, everybody else in that lineup is good. Uh, unfortunately for everybody else, I should say, um, everybody else in that Cubs lineup is good. So they haven't missed Hayward too much. But uh, where do you guys stand on Jason Hayward as a buy low option? Man, I'm, I've never really been a big Hayward fan. Um, so it's hard for me to, to want to buy this guy. I, for whatever reason, I don't know what it is. I, as far as fantasy goes, I've just never been in on the Hayward bandwagon. And I think I'm going to stick with it. Even though he's in a good lineup in Chicago, um, I don't know. He just doesn't do enough for me. I don't know why. It's just I'm. He's one of those guys that I just don't like. Uh, I think it depends on the league. If it's a dynasty league, um, I'm buying him because I think there's value uh, in the future. But if it's a, a one season done here, um, I'm out. You know, wrist injuries tend to linger. Um, they're they're one of those injuries that really worry me because. It seems like when guys get them, um, you know, they tend to just play through the injury. They don't really get DL stints, and they don't play well. So, um, I, I would say I'm out on Hayward if it's a redraft league. Um, well said. I don't think I could have said it any better myself. So, I'm not going to beat that point any further. Hayward is still a dynasty option, um, but in redraft leagues, I'm trying to get rid of him even if he is at this low value. So, next guy, Colton Wong. He's been uh, really struggling out the gate for the Cardinals. We've seen some playing time issues as far as them giving opportunities to Jed Jerko. And the other thing to worry about with Wong is if Diaz keeps hitting when Peralta comes back, I think they're going to have to find some room for uh, for Ledmus Diaz and maybe second base is an option there as the... Um, the weak side of a platoon to Colton Wong. So, where do you guys stand on Wong? I'm out on Wong. Out on Wong as well. I was high on him coming into the season, and just too many question marks as far as what you just said with Peralta comes when he comes back, the way Diaz has played. Um, are all the at-bats going to be there necessary for him to, to make a big impact for me? And I think the answer is no. So, uh, i got to be out on Wong. Yeah, I'm not going to beat a dead horse. I think you guys made a good point there. And personally, I've never been a Wong guy, so um, I'm out on Wong. Um, as the Cardinals fan in the podcast, I'm going to kind of stick to my guns on Wong and say that I don't think he finishes the season as a Cardinal. Um, I know he just signed a deal with them, but they've traded guys in the past that they've signed to extensions such as Alan Craig. Um, I just think that they're starting to find that they have more infield depth than they thought, and they need some pitching. So we'll see. I I think Wong is still an intriguing trade piece for them in the sense that he is young. Uh, his contract, even though they did sign him to an extension, it's still a very much so team-friendly, and there's some pop in that bat and some speed, and... Just not sure his game fits in with the Cardinals. Um, they've always been a high-contact team that I think prides itself on fielding the ball, and Wong's made some boneheaded defensive errors as well as uh, striking out a ton, I think, or at least more than I think the Cardinals would like. So I think Wong could be similar to uh, Colby Rasmus in the fact that they move him at a point where there's still some intrigue and uh, maybe they get some nice pieces back in in efforts to make a little bit of a playoff run. So I think Wong has some some value in another lineup, but I'm not sure that he's peak value as a Cardinal. So I'd be interested in buying him, but I'd, I'd need to see a little bit more um, as, to, as to what the Cardinals are going to do with him. Yeah, just to touch on what you guys said in the last, last guy, uh, I feel like it's a dynasty thing. Yeah. Uh, if you're in a dynasty league, it's probably a guy you want to hang on to. Double double guy the last two years as far as home runs and stolen bases. Um, only 25. Probably.
probably a, a good guy that you can maybe hold on to, take a chance on, but maybe not for this year. All right, next guy, Corey Dickerson. He's a guy that did get traded this offseason, and we were all kind of worried about him going to Tampa and leaving the friendly confines of Coors Field, and he's really struggled. He came out the gate hot, uh, swinging a nice bat with some power, but the last uh, couple weeks hasn't been real great for Corey Dickerson. And I'm starting to wonder if maybe he's another guy that's had some lingering health issues in, health issues in the past. And I'm wondering if there's something there with Dickerson. Hasn't had a hit in the past week. Um, <laughs> pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean, we, we touched on early in the season. Just moving out of Colorado can make a huge difference. And moving into Colorado can make a huge difference in the other direction. And it just seems like that's kind of what's happening here at Dickerson. The average is way down uh, below the Mendoza line now. Uh, for a guy that's hit over 300 in his past two years in Colorado, uh, gotta be disappointing. I, I think you, you gotta get rid of the guy in a in a single season format. You just gotta get rid of him right now if you can get some value. Um, I'm not really sold on for the rest of the season. I may be the only one, but I'm in on all formats. Uh, Corey Dickerson is a guy that I think is very talented, and I don't I don't think it matters what. Uh, what field he's at um, you know it may seem like he's proven that point wrong at this point um, and obviously I think that's what makes him a good buy low candidate uh, you know you can pitch that when you're trying to get him um, I think the talent's there he's only 26 um, you know guys struggle at times and I think he's going to turn around we talked about Freddie Freeman a little last week I think this is another just a, a little bit of a product of the lineup he's in the Rays do seem to struggle to score runs, and that, that definitely doesn't help his his RBI opportunities, which is another category that I think Dickerson could really help you in. But definitely some reasons to be concerned about him. But, Kyle, sounds like you're all in as a buy low on Corey Dickerson. Addison Russell is the next guy that we want to talk about. Um, Russell was highly thought of in what was a weak middle infield crop on draft day. I think he gets lost amongst the Cubbies, as we talked about with Hayward. Um, they have so many other good players that, you know, I think people are less concerned about Russell than they should be. He's still very young. Um, I still see him as a huge buy low if someone's willing to give up on Addison Russell. But, Shane, I know that I'm much higher on him than you are. You sure are. Uh, starting to get frustrated. We own him in our league. And just been really disappointing so far. It's starting to starting to wear on me. Uh, when when's this guy gonna break out? Um, I, I think it's gonna happen a couple of years down the line. He's just not ready. And the Joe Madden effect is kind of kind of scary for me. Um, just the the willingness to rotate and kind of pick your spots. And I just don't know that he's gonna get the the steady playing time if he doesn't produce all the time for me to to want to take a chance on a guy like this for this season. Um, certainly think there's obviously a lot of talent there, a lot of potential. The guy's only 22 years old. Um, I'm going to have a bright future, but for this year, I, I think I'm still out on Russell. Um, going back to back here with all ends, uh, you know, a stat I continually bring up in our podcast is, you know, the K to walk ratio. Um, 19 strikeouts so far, 16 walks. That's pretty good. Um, his OBP is 356. So not so exciting, 224 average. Um, hitting in a great lineup. I'm in. I think, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find people that are selling them low right now. Yeah, I guess, in a, in, especially in a dynasty format, no one's going to sell Addison Russell at this value. Um, but in a redraft league, I think that you have an opportunity to uh, to make a move on him if you believe in it. Just going back to what I know we talked about in the offseason, the frustrating thing for Russell is where he hits in this lineup. With that OBP, I think the counting numbers could be much higher if he wasn't hitting 8th or ninth. Um, that's just, it's just hard to... Uh, it's hard to own a cubby and see all the other guys flourishing... And you got this guy just kind of struggling because of, I think, a lot to do with where he hits in the lineup. And that kind of goes along with that Joe Madden factor that you brought up, Shane. 
I want to put these four pitchers in a group together and talk about them all as potential by-low candidates. Uh, Garrett Cole, Dallas Keuchel, Sonny Gray, and Justin Verlander. And I think that they're by-low candidates in that order, maybe. Uh, Gray and Keuchel would be the two that I'm interested to hear, but I think we're all still kind of bullish on Garrett Cole. And I just added Verlander because I would be extremely interested in him as a buy-low. But I'm interested in what you guys have to think about all four of these guys. Here's my take on Cole. Um, I'm obviously still in on the guy. Uh, Tremendous talent. I feel like the Pirates let him go last year and said, go ahead and be our horse. And now I feel like they're putting the training wheels back on. Um, It's kind of frustrating considering we have Stock and Cole in two of our leagues together. Um, feels like they're, they're kind of just like, you know what, we, we let them go a little too far last year. Let's let's rein them back in, and that's frustrating for me. Um, I feel like he's a bulldog, and he just needs to just let him go, and he's going to go out and do his thing. Um, I don't think he's a guy that's going to break down either. So kind of frustrating in that sense. So I, I'm, a, I'm still in on Cole. I think he'll be fine the rest of the way. Uh, Verlander, uh, the guy's just in decline, man. Um, he's not a star pitcher anymore. Um, got the big contract, um, and he, he's just not worth that contract right now. He's certainly a guy you can take a chance on in a deep league, just based on pedigree, and maybe he figures it out. But I, I have a lot of concerns for Verlander going forward. Um, Sonny Gray, I'm still in on Gray. Um, he's been a much better pitcher in the first half of the season, I believe, in throughout his career than he is in the second half. But I still think that if you can buy low on him, uh, he's going to produce enough value throughout the course of a season that that's going to be beneficial for you. Dallas Keuchel is the interesting one for me. Um, I've seen this guy pitch a lot. I've, I've watched a lot of his games. And he, he doesn't really look outstanding when I watch him. Um, he locates well, real well. Um, obviously, he hits his spots really well. Um, I feel like his stuff isn't tremendous it's not nothing blows me away when i watch him pitch so it's like how can this guy be so dominant all the time and i think that's kind of catching up to him so far early in the season that maybe he's not hitting his spots perfectly um nearly as well as he did last year certainly um when he was tremendous so i I think i'm still in on Keigel because i think the astros will figure it out and he's going to get enough wins and he's going to be solid enough for you to to put up some good games but what we saw last year from Keigel, i don't think is going to happen again Yeah, so um, I'll start with Verlander. Uh, he's a guy that I'm just concerned about, um, and I, I would not buy low on him. He, uh, I'm taking a look at some of his stats right now. I thought the one thing that jumped out is um, he's having to throw a lot more pitches per, per plate appearance um, is the one thing that's sticking out that I saw uh, in this article here that's talking about his demise and People just aren't chasing this, this stuff that he's throwing out of the zone for whatever reason right now. And um, you know, that's worrisome if, uh, if he's not fooling batters and they're making him pitch to him. You know, you eventually have to put it in the zone and he's getting hit right now. So uh, I think the other thing that I guess you could argue in his favor, I always like to think of obscure weird things that, you know, uh, could help or hurt people. But... He did just get engaged to Kate Upton, so um, he tied down a, a chick who a lot of people think is a total babe. So um, there's potential that that's off his mind now, and he can just focus on baseball. Yeah, she is a total dime. So <laughs> even if he's not winning in uh, fantasy baseball, he's definitely winning in life. So good on him for that. Yeah, he's he's doing pretty well for himself as far as. <laughs> Off the field yeah. <laughs> uh, management as far as finances and uh, significant other. So he's winning those categories for you. <laughs> but yeah, he's probably not going to do much for you in the in the fantasy lineup. How much of this is he just doesn't have the ability to blow doors down now with, with that 98, 99, 100 mile an hour. He, he's not that guy anymore. So if he doesn't have that to intimidate people, put some people away with the fastball, his off-speed stuff just isn't as effective. I think that's what what it comes down to for me, Kyle. Yeah, definitely. Um, he's going to be fine. Just He's going to be fine. Temper your expectations. 
make them realistic, and he's going to be just fine. There you have it. Yeah, it would have to be very low for me to buy at this point. Um, but anyways, back to back to some of the other guys. Um, you know, we talked in the past just that pitching takes a little bit longer to get going um, when the season starts. So guys like Cole and Gray and Keuchel are guys that I, I would definitely be in on at this point. Um, I'm sure we can find a handful of names out there that are pitching much better up to this point. Um, that we definitely want to take over these guys. So uh, I'm not usually a kind of guy that wants to, you know, get all crazy when a starting pitcher has started off for them. Uh, I'd have them Cole, Gray, Verlander, Keuchel, and buying low. Something doesn't seem right with Keuchel, and I don't, you know, you said Verlander doesn't have the stuff to put people away. I don't think Keuchel does necessarily either, so, I don't know. Uh, I just think that maybe we're starting to figure him out. He's probably going to be just fine, but I don't think we'll see anywhere close to what he was last year at this point. Sonny Gray, another guy, um, he's kind of really helping you in ratios. He's not a big strikeout guy by any means. Um, also not, I don't think, going to win a ton of games, but I think Gray will be just fine. Cole's the one that I'm really looking to really bounce back, and hopefully hopefully it's coming soon, like you said, for our sake. All right, so that wraps up. Guys that we're talking about is buy-low candidates. All of them, I think, were top talents on draft day, so definitely looking for these 10 guys to turn it around. Uh, hopefully hopefully sooner rather than later for the guys that uh, that own them. It's kind of in the same uh, breath. I want to talk about some players that are being added, players being dropped. I got these statistics from uh, CBS CBS leagues. Um, I think because of the customization that CBS allows you to do, a lot of these leagues are um, deeper. So I think that these these five guys that are being added in a majority of leagues and five that are being dropped in a majority of leagues. I think that this definitely speaks to uh, the deeper league format, so I think that that's what makes these names and percentages really interesting. Uh, first name I want to talk about, Brandon Drury, most added player as of this morning. He's up 46%. What do you guys think about Brandon Drury? This guy can hit, man. Um, he just hits. And I think if you have a chance to, you can go scoop him up right now. Uh just seems to be, seems to be just a. There's no other way to say it. he's just a good hitter. Um, I don't know. He, he decent power. Gonna hit some double a lot of doubles for you, and he, he's just gonna be an all around nice hitter. So if you have a chance to uh, in your league, I'll go get him right now. Um, I don't think I'm as excited as Shane is. Uh, definitely a guy that you know I would take a flyer on if I could. Um, he's he's obviously exciting with what he's doing right now. He's young, um, but yeah, I, I just don't see the the average staying where it's at. Um, you know, we're only seeing a twenty point difference between average and OBP. Um, so not overly excited about that. But you're right. I mean, he has good power. He has doubles, and you know, there, there's other categories in those too. Well, I'm the jury owner in our 16-team league and um, kind of been waiting for this for two years now. He's been on my minor league roster for at least two years. Um, I'm kind of excited about him. I like the multi-position eligibility. He's got uh, third base and outfield right now. Uh, also corner infielder if you have that spot in your league. So definitely like what jury brings to the table in that sense and gives you some roster flexibility. I like the lineup he hits in. I think that that helps him hitting around some guys that uh, are having some nice starts to the season so far. Goldschmidt not being one of them. He's not been great so far, but I expect that to pick up. And he hits in front of Drury on uh, most nights, so that should help the RBI numbers at least. Um, I like Drury. I'm not over the top excited about him, but I think in a 16-team league, he's a nice piece. 
um, of my roster. So definitely like what Drury brings in that sense. Another guy I picked up last week, and he had a nice start Monday against the Blue Jays, is A.J. Griffin. He's a guy that we've seen battle arm injuries in the past. He was, a, I think, a highly thought-of player in the A's organization before he dealt with those arm injuries. Where do you guys stand on A.J. Griffin, and how long can he keep this uh, string of dominance up? He's up He's up 34% in, uh, in CBS leagues, which I failed to mention. Yeah, I got a chance to watch him in his start the other night. Uh, he's a guy that I saw getting picked up in, in a lot of different leagues uh, this week. I didn't know if it was just uh, spot star pickups or uh, guys really buying into to what Griffin's doing and off to a great start. Um, saw, saw him pitch, and he looked good. He looked good. Uh, strikeout stuff. Um, looked look like he had uh, some, some really good potential uh I don't know that I'm fully sold on. I'd like to see a little bit more, but yeah, he he looked he looked real good. Um, I think I've made it clear my thoughts on pitching. Um, I'm the kind of guy who likes to stream, um, and a lot of guys find their way on my roster throughout the year. And um, Griffin's a guy that I, I would definitely enjoy owning at this point. He's he's pitching well, and. You know, if you're the kind of person that likes to keep a spot open to stream, I mean, he's your man if, if that's available. Um, you know, if you're in a deeper league, it, it's definitely worth stashing him and, and riding the hot streak and seeing how far he can take this thing. This is this first this start against the Blue Jays on Monday was, I think, the first start this season where he showed that swing and miss stuff. It wasn't something that people were expecting of him. Um, but I think he missed some bats when he was with Oakland. So hopefully uh, that continues for me owning him. The one thing I will say about Griffin, too, is the Rangers seem to have uh, pitching figured out. Their guys seem to, to pitch well um, for that ball club. It kept him in the race last year, despite the fact that I thought that they didn't have very impressive arms. Um, they all seemed to just have really good seasons last year. So... I think maybe there is a, a team factor there that's going to help Griffin. Um, definitely just looking forward to seeing what I have here. And at this point of the season, I think it's a good opportunity to take some flyers on guys that are having good seasons because pitching especially is the one position where guys kind of break out of nowhere. And if you can catch that wave early on in the season and ride it out for the year, uh, you may have yourself a diamond in a rough, a diamond in the rough in a, in a position where sometimes it can be hard to find those. So definitely at this point of the year, if you have, like Kyle said, some open spots in your pitching rotation, Griffin's a guy I would take a shot on with the success he's had in the first month of the year. All right, so we go from two players that I own to one that you own, Kyle, Derek Dietrich. He is the benefactor of the D. Gordon suspension, which I guess we kind of buried the lead of the, the week by not mentioning that at all yet. On this podcast, as we went off the air last week, that's when the suspension was announced. So we haven't talked about Gordon's suspension yet. But uh, Dietrich seems to be the benefactor in the sense that he's going to get the second base opportunities for the Marlins. Where do you guys stand on Dietrich? <laughs> well, it's funny you say Kyle's the owner because right when uh, I found out that he was going to be getting that, that time, I, I went to Adam and Kyle had already done it. Um, so I was definitely going after Dietrich as well as a guy that I wanted on my team. Um, he's shown in the past couple of years that he, he has the ability to, to play really well for an extended period of time. Um, he's certainly not a guy that I'm excited about as far as being a centerpiece, being a star, but I think he has the ability, given given the playing time, to, to do some really nice things for you. So he's obviously probably going to get that for the next three months or so. So if he can get that time, uh, I definitely would, would ride it out and see what the guy's got. Um, if, if nothing's standing in his way, he's getting that everyday playing time. He, he's going to put up some nice numbers for you. I, I don't know if he's going to help you as much in batting average, uh, but he might knock a few balls over the fence for you. And seems like the, the Marlins are pretty hot right now, so I, I, I'd give him a chance. Yeah, let me talk him up real quick, and then I'm going to offer him uh, in a trade to you, Shane. So... <laughs> uh, Obviously, Dietrich, I was excited to go and grab. Um, I knew, at least in this league where I picked him up, 
that I was going to be moving Gomez shortly. So I know I needed a piece to, to step in there uh, in my outfield. Um, so he's a guy that, you know, is going to see regular at-bats. And you know, there's some positional flexibility being third base eligible, corner, outfield. And, you know, he'll be getting his second base soon. So um, he's definitely someone that I would go out and grab if I could and see what he's made of. Uh, and if he gets hot, maybe even try and flip him quick. Yeah, Dietrich has some pop, and at a middle infield position, eventually when he gets that eligibility, if you can find some pop, uh, definitely I would take a shot on him too. So that was a nice add by you, Kyle, and uh, I think that he's up 20% right now. I think he's going to be on this uh, most most added list for at least the next week or so as people continue to find a spot in their lineup for Derek Dietrich. The other guy that I think is the benefactor of D. Gordon suspension is right now JT Realmuto. He's up fifteen percent. We talked about last week a little bit about you know guys dropping catchers at this point of the season and taking a chance on some guys that are having nice years so far at the catcher position. Realmuto is one of them, not necessarily since he's having a great start to the season, but. Um, he's going to be the leadoff hitter, it looks like, for the time being. And you have to love that hitting in front of guys like uh, Yelich, Stanton, and Ozuna. So definitely something to be had with Real Muto. And we talked about players that, Kyle, you and I have owned, and this is a guy Shane owns, so it's his time to take the floor. Yeah, I'm the Real Muto owner, and uh, it's been a nice couple of weeks. Um, if I'm not mistaken, in the past two weeks, he's been a top 25 player in all Major League Baseball. So, obviously, obviously very excited about that. And definitely, uh, they slotted him into the leadoff spot the last couple games, it looks like. He's going to be the guy that takes over there. And hopefully, he's going to do exactly what I drafted him to do, and that was be a double-double guy out of the catcher spot. Um, get me double-digit home runs. Get me get me double-digit stolen bases and, and score some runs. So, if, if he can do that, uh, obviously, Ramiro is going to be a – Real nice piece having that catcher eligibility. I mean, anytime you can find a guy in the, at the catcher spot that can, that can do those things, help you out in more than one category, it is huge. Yeah, there's no doubt you got to be excited about the fact he's uh, batting leadoff, um, getting the extra at bat per game. And, um, you know, you mentioned it, Shane. He's a guy that can give you a little power and give you a little speed and hits for an okay to decent average. Um, He's going to score some runs. So uh, the fact you can play somebody like that at catcher is just really exciting. The other thing I like about him is he, he doesn't take too many days off, it seems like. He it seems like he's always in there. Um, so that's one big thing about the catcher spot. I mean, if you can grab a guy that's going to play just about every day and, and not take too many days off, that's also an added bonus. So, I mean, you get a guy like Real Muto who's, who's going to get – Somewhere over 500 at-bats, probably close to 550, which which is a nice bonus. Yeah, I like Real Muto, too. Um, just think that catcher is very underrated. There's a lot of good players out there in the waiver wire. You know, in a lot of leagues, I think you could find a guy like Real Muto or Wilson Ramos or even Francisco Cervelli, and I like all three of those guys behind the plate, so... Right now, Real Muto is probably at the top of that list just because, like Kyle said, leading off, that that's huge. Uh, other guy that's up 15%, let's try and uh, keep this quick. Brett Lowry, off to a nice start this year. Another multi-position eligibility guy. Um, I'm not going to call this a breakout season for him, but he's been pretty steady. I mean, for me, Brett Lowry is who he is. Um, he's going to hit for okay power, and... His value lies in the fact that you can play him at second base. Um, as long as you can play him at second base, middle infield in your league, he's a guy that you can slot in there. Um, not excited if I have to play him at my third base spot, but as long as you can play him in the middle somewhere, he's a guy that, that you can run out there. He, he's going to have streaks where he gets hot, and he's going to have streaks where he gets really cold. So you got to ride him when he's high and, and hope that those cold streaks don't hurt you too bad. He's the guy that we've kind of been waiting to have a season like this, though. Um, pretty highly touted when he was a younger guy. And we, we've been waiting for him to break out. So maybe it's here. Um, 
I don't think that it is, but but maybe just maybe he's figured it out a little bit, and the move to Chicago has has been beneficial, like we, we touched on in the beginning of the year. Yeah, I feel like he's been in the league forever. He's only 26, um, so it's exciting uh, to see he's playing well. He's a guy that I think Shane, you hit it out of the park when you said his second base eligibility makes him very enticing to have. So. Um, you know, hitting in that lineup, you got to give him a shot. Yeah, I, I kind of took a stab on two guys in our draft, Lowry being one of them, the other Will Myers, guys that were really big-time prospects that everyone kind of wrote off, I think, coming into this year, and both of them have paid some nice dividends for me so far. So um, definitely happy to own both of them in our 16-team league. Gonna give you the five most dropped got well five of the most dropped guys um, that I thought were interesting to talk about, and just kind of give me like one or two of them that you're most concerned about. Uh, Tyler White down twenty one percent, Shelby Miller down ten percent, Justin Turner down ten percent, Big Kendris Morales down ten percent, and then Delano the Shields down nine. Um, Anybody that you're writing off, anybody that you're thinking can turn it around, just any comments on a couple of those guys? Um, I think I'm most concerned about White. Uh, huge start to the season, real big start. And just seemed kind of, not, I don't want to say a flash in the pan because I think he's a good player. Uh, I think he's going to be fine. I, I just think that the start was a little too hot and he's going to cool off here. And I'm a little concerned about A.J. Reed coming up and taking some of that thunder. So a little concerned about what White's future is going to look like for the rest of 2016. Uh, Shelby Miller, we, we've touched on him a lot. Um, I think we all realized that he's not as good as what last year may have shown. And I, I think he's a guy that obviously he's going to be owned in, in pretty much all leagues, all formats, but I don't know if he's necessarily a guy that you want to build your team around. Um, People got real excited with the, with the year that he had last year, and I, I think it's 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 just not going to be that good again. Yeah, I'll touch on those two guys while we're at it. Um, Tyler White, you know, having a guy like Reed behind you, uh, when you're expendable, you know, it, it's tough to stay excited about a guy like that. And I'm all but done with Shelby Miller. Um, I would go as far to say he's droppable in a lot of formats. Um, I think he's done. Uh, not excited about him. Don't like that he's in Arizona. Uh, I'm out on Shelby Miller. Yeah, I'm, I'm also out on Shelby Miller. You know, you touched on the fact that I don't like that he plays in Arizona. The other thing that I don't like about him are the fact that he has to face the Dodgers and Giants, who are both really good offenses, and occasionally he's going to pitch in Coors Field. And those are a majority of his starts because those are the teams that are in uh, in his division. And he just uh, you talked about other guys not having swing and miss stuff. He doesn't have swing and miss stuff, and something's not right with him. So I've seen him throw a couple times, and he just can't seem to avoid that big inning. And it's really hurt him. And I'm, I agree with you, Kyle. He's droppable in all formats for me. Um, so he's droppable in 16-team leagues for you guys? I think he's a streamer in 16-team leagues, yeah, at this point. Wow. I think I think in 16-team leagues you hold on to him. I think he's a streamer in, in 12, 12 and 10. Um, I think 16-team leagues, you, you, <laughs> the pitching depth is just so thin. I mean, I look at it every day, the guys that are available. Yeah, but couldn't you drop him and just stream two or three guys throughout the week that, or a two-star pitcher if you're in a weekly format and get just the same production? The only way I'm starting him is in a weekly format, two-star week at San Diego and at Atlanta. And, <laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> the, the, two good parks. Uh, he's thrown well in Atlanta, but I just that's kind of how I feel about him right now. I still think he should be owned, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on the same page, but I, I think he's a little better than you guys think. I can't blame you for thinking that. I, I get it to an extent, but um, 
I just think that at this point in the season, you could take a flyer on a guy or just rotate that position in or out and get better better ratios at least than you're going to get from him. Uh, Turner, Morales, and DeShields. Not much more to say about White. I don't want to just dismiss him. Um, definitely something to be concerned about, but uh, we'll see. You know, the third base eligibility for him is decent. Throw him in your corner infield slot. The, the thing that's concerning for me is Balbuena seems to be taking some time away from him even before um, A.J. Reed does. But Justin Turner, Kendris Morales, Delano DeShields. DeShields I'm concerned about because I think when Chu comes back, I think he's the guy that's going to be the odd man out. I think Desmond, Mazzara, and Chu is that uh, is the Rangers outfield. I think Morales will also be fine. You know, he's been a guy that's been pretty streaky in the past. I think the end of the season, his numbers will look close to what you expected from him. And Justin Turner, I hope if you had this guy last year, you sold him and struck it big on him because I just don't think he's a very good player at this point. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, Turner is a guy that I, I wouldn't even be surprised if I found out that he was on the list uh, of guys that, that were doing some illegal stuff. <laughs> um, just last year was just insane. That guy was locked in like... He was taking uh, taking some stuff just about every morning. Uh, maybe he was on the Carlos Ruiz plan. I don't know. But I- I'm out on him as well. <laughs> He's not nearly as good as he showed he was. Yeah. Anything on Morales or DeShields, Kyle? Um, yeah, I think Morales is just aging. Um, and it's time to, to hop off that train. Um, and I think you hit the point on the head when you said that the Shields is probably going to be the odd man out uh, in Texas. So um, I'd be I'd be moving him swiftly. Trevor Story with another home run. So him and Arenado both homered tonight. They both have 12 home runs. It's amazing what these two guys are doing. Um, and doing it on the road, too. They're not just hitting at home. So, a lot to be excited about if you're a Rockies fan, I think, for the future of this team. If they can somehow find some pitchers that can somehow pitch at home, uh, they could be they could be tough for the next couple of years. But I just don't know if that's even um, possible. Amazing what these guys are doing. I actually just had this talk with someone yesterday um, about the Rockies pitching. I mean, just how do you entice guys to actually want to come to Colorado and pitch? Um, it's got to be hard for them. To, to even go out in the free agent market and be like, yeah, we want you to come here and, and be our leader, yeah. be, our, be the leader of our staff. Um, who's signing up for that job? Uh, it's got to be hard for them. Yeah, John, John Gray actually seems to be okay, though. We'll see what he does this year, but he's had some nice starts. I, I mean, he's a guy that's kind of forced into the situation, yeah. though. I mean, in the free agent market, I mean, it's got to be hard for them to say, hey, let's come to Colorado and be our, be our guy. Well, without getting on too much of a tangent, we saw them – early in their franchise's history give Hampton and Nagel big deals. So there's two there's two things to that when you think about it. How do you get pitchers to go there, which we talked about, how do you get them to sign? But if you're the Rockies, why do you spend money on those pitchers when you did it with two guys who had what we thought stuff that would play in that park? How do you how do you justify spending that money? So I think the the goal for the Rockies now is just draft as many young arms as possible and see who see who sticks. It's, it's kind of got it the way it's got to be for yeah. them. <laughs> so, yeah, without getting on too much of a Rockies prospect tangent, we can move forward with our three prospect comps for tonight. Um, only three tonight because I think we've talked about a lot of the guys that are either up or have come up. And just some speculation here on... Three guys. Uh, Robert Stevenson, he's back down in AAA, right? As of right now, I believe he okay. is. Well, he's a guy I think we'll see up and down throughout the season, but Robert Stevenson's the first guy I want to talk about. My comp for him is A.J. Burnett. Um, great stuff, but never really put it together to be everything that we thought A.J. Burnett could be. He ended up having a nice long career, but definitely inconsistent, I think, is the one word you could use to describe A.J. Burnett. And one thing I've seen from Stevenson in the minors is big strikeout totals, but also potential to be a high whip guy. Um, so I, I like Stevenson as a prospect, but 
I don't like him as much as guys we've talked about the past couple weeks, such as uh, Barrios, Snell, Fulmer, and uh, who's the other guy? Manaya. Manaya. Um, I put down Matt Kane, which is funny because we just watched him get taken yard by story. <laughs> um, I, I think he has the potential to be as be as good as Kane was when he was really good, and kind of just like pushing on what you just said potential to maybe not be as good in, in a lot of aspects there's a lot of inconsistency there for me um seems like he's gotten in trouble so far in his minor league career leaves the ball up in the zone a lot and he's got to figure that out when he gets to the majors um you can't leave your fastball up in the zone no matter how hard you throw if, if against major league hitters if you're, you're throwing a fastball at the belt they're, they're gonna take advantage of it um so he's got to kind of figure that out as he goes still a young kid uh, i'm sure he will but, yeah, I'm going to go with Matt Cain. Yeah, I'm hopping in the time machine a little bit here. Um, and I'm saying Kevin Brown for a lot of the reasons that you guys mentioned as well. I think uh, we have a handful of similar pitchers here that, you know, in their prime had some pretty good years. Um, but for the most part, uh, we're a little, little underwhelming and, um, have disappointed some owners. So I think he's uh, you know, going to struggle a little bit in Great American Ballpark, leaving that fastball up in the zone, seeing the ball fly out of the park a good amount. And, um, yeah, I, I think he, he's good, but not great. you got to be pretty happy as a Reds fan if he turns out to be like one of these guys, though, right, Kyle? Oh, definitely. Um, you know, rotation – has been something that has been tough to watch over the years outside of Cueto and uh, Volquez for that stint. Um, so, yeah, I, I would definitely be excited to see one of those consistent arms. Um, you know, we had Bronson Arroyo for a while, so it was nice to have an, an innings eater. So it would be good to have Stevenson do something like that. They have a really interesting potential rotation here with uh... – Iglesias, DeSclafini, Cody Reed, Robert Stevenson, and then a guy that I really liked that I'm glad they took a flyer on is Dan Straley. Uh, he's thrown pretty well so far as a red. Um, I picked him up for a streaming start yesterday, and he delivered with uh, a nice outing. So I, I like that those five guys. Brought a big smile to my face when I saw the, the Straley transaction come through. Uh, you're the highest Straley guy in the league, and the one of the biggest ones that could possibly be that I know. Um, that, that brought a big smile to my face. Yeah, I got him in my very first draft for, I believe, $10. <laughs> and if I'm being completely honest, when I went into that draft, I had never even heard of Dan Straley. <laughs> but uh, someone nominated him. I Googled him. And then uh, some people got really excited about Dan Straley. So <laughs> I won him for 10 bucks, and then on the car ride home, it got announced that he would start the season in AAA. <laughs> So that's my fun Dan Straley story from four years ago. But um, still think there's something there. So I like I like what the Reds are doing with their rotation. Being Next. the Reds guy, I got to say, uh, you didn't mention two other arms that I like a lot. Uh, Lamb and Finnegan. So oh, I forgot about the two lefties. I actually like Finnegan a lot. I don't know why I forgot him. And I do like Lamb too. So um, You just like Straley better. No, I just liked I liked the fact that I hit on a streamer yesterday. I think that's what I like more than uh, it's just some recency bias there. From being completely honest, um, all right. Next guy is also a NL Central pitching prospect that I expect to see at some point this year. Josh Hader is lighting it up in the minor leagues. Twenty-two year old string bean lefty, um, and I think now this might be the fourth lefty that we talked about. And we're trying to compliment. Obviously, we always talk about price and sale and guys like that. So I went with a little different one for Josh Hader after actually watching some video on him. I have him as a left-handed and taller Tim Linscombe. <laughs> uh, if you watch the delivery, they drop the hands low to start, turns to the side, turns his back to the pitcher, and then delivers some real heat, some real strikeout stuff. So I like Hader a lot, and I think Milwaukee has a nice, a nice prospect here. All right, well, when I watched him, I'm going to go with the one lefty that we haven't touched on, 
and he th- looks exactly like him when he throws his windup, Madison Bumgarner. Um, just about, just about kind of like he copied his mechanics. Um, throws just like him. So I, I don't know that he turns out to be. I mean, that's a little lofty. Um, we'll have to wait and see, but he certainly looks like him when he throws, and off to a great start so far this year. So could be some good things happening for Hater. Yeah, um, I think the the obvious one that is going to come out, and I don't even want to talk about it much, is the Chris Sale comp. Um, so I went a little different route, mostly because I didn't want to have to say that. Um, and I went with Gio Gonzalez. More so on, that's the kind of production I think I'm going to expect out of him. Um, so if you can turn into something like that, you got to be excited if you're a Brewers fan. Yeah, definitely. Gio had a had a nice career. Um, having a nice having a nice year. season so far. He was a a buy low candidate at on draft day for a lot of uh, experts in the industry. So um, definitely would be pleased with Gio Gonzalez type production. And one thing I'm kind of thinking about as we keep doing these prospects, there haven't been many that we've talked about that were like you'd be really disappointed if they turned out to be that person. I don't know. I'm trying to think of some of the comps we made, but for the most part, I think we like a lot of these guys and that's why they're on the top hundred list. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard not to like these guys. I mean, they've been highly touted. I mean, they're, they're tearing it up in the minors. The, the truth of it is though, some of these guys aren't going to turn out well. Um, obviously we're not going to, we're not going to hit on all these comps. I mean, you gotta, you gotta temper your expectations sometimes, but we've been pretty, pretty generous and pretty high on our comps and we don't always base them on, on what they're going to end up with. I mean, some one of us usually does. Sometimes we go based on look, look, and just what what it feels like when when you watch them. But yeah. Well, here's one that I think Kyle, you as a Reds fan, would be disappointed um, if this Jose Peraza comp Trump comes through. Um, I have Eric Young, middle infielder, had a real nice long career. Um, his son actually played in the minor and the majors too for a couple of years. I don't know if he's on a roster right now, um, EY Jr. But I liked Eric Young as a player. Never really was anything outstanding, but he ended up having himself a nice, long career, um, mainly due to the fact that he could run and he had positional versatility. And I think that's the main thing we're going to see from Peraza. And the reason I had him on this list for tonight is Billy Hamilton's battling some injuries, and uh, I think there's a chance that he may hit the DL if something continues to linger here in the next couple days and if if uh, Hamilton hits the DL I think Peraza is the likely guy to come up and replace him in center field for the Reds so um, Eric Young I think is the player that Peraza most reminds me of uh, well sticking with uh, some lofty expectations I'm gonna go with a poor man's Jose Altuve Ooh, um, wow how poor? I think Peraza's going to be pretty Destitute or poor? <laughs> I think Peraza's going to be pretty good. Um, he's not going to be as good as Jose Altuve, don't get me wrong. But I think he's going to be a pretty nice player. Uh, I think he's going to hit for he's going to hit for a nice average. He's proven that he can hit just about everywhere he goes. So he's going to be right around 300 and he's going to steal a bunch of bags for you. So I mean, obviously we're not I don't think we're going to see much pop so much pop from him. I'm not going to be driving the ball out of the ballpark, I don't think. But Maybe it develops into a close to ten guy, and I think you'll take that. Yeah. So when when I did this, um, I picked a guy, and I didn't realize this guy didn't run much in his career. He didn't um, run, and yeah. he had crazy power. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just wanted to hop in the time machine, and <laughs> uh, so I did it. So I'm gonna say Jose Vidro is is the guy I picked. Um, I think Peraza turns into a decent power guy. Um, I, maybe it's just because I'm a Reds fan and I want him to, but I see him hitting, you know, 15 bombs, um, stealing 20 bags, and hitting for a decent average. So um, I just wanted to say Jose Pedro on, on air. So. <laughs> how many how many seasons did Jose Pedro have 20 stolen bases? He had 23 in his career. <laughs> so that's why I'm embarrassed to have said his name, but um, I know we have Expo fans that listen to us, so they'll be excited. They do have the same first name, and the cool thing about Jose Vidra was the double flapped helmet. 
<laughs> so, well, it seems like we're pretty pretty wide on our opinions on Peraza. Kyle, you think he's going to be more of a steady power speed production? Um, I think he's going to be more of just the speed average guy. Um, and Kaz, you're you're kind of in a different different ballpark. I feel like as far as from us, he's going to be a good piece um, on a 25 man roster, but I don't think he's going to be an everyday player. That's my opinion. All right, so we'll see how uh, Peraza turns out. Hopefully, for for your sake, I think he'd take Jose Vidro in a Reds uniform, uh, knocking some balls out of Citizens Bank or not Citizens Bank, uh, Great American. Did, did Vidro end his career with the Reds too? Why do I think that? I don't know why I think that. I thought he went to the Angels. I feel like he went to the Angels. I don't know. He was at the Expos for a while. Look that up, Kyle. I'm on it. I'm trying to think. I don't think he ended his career in Milwaukee, in uh, Montreal. Alright, uh, well, you got it? Yeah, I need a drum roll, though. Drum roll. Alright, he finished his career in Seattle. Seattle. Maybe so, he played left. for Montreal and Seattle, that's it? Montreal turned into Washington. Okay. That's your uh, Jose Vidro history lesson here on the Red Triangle Sports Podcast. Again, find us on Twitter at Red Triangle 23. Um, SoundCloud, iTunes, subscribe, rate review, leave us a five-star rating. Again, we're trying to uh, trying to boost our rating. We've had a, a bunch of people following us on SoundCloud and uh, liking some of the stuff we're putting out, so keep that coming. And uh, look forward to talking baseball again next week.